0: Hello, America. Hello, Utah. Hello to all of our listeners of the Path Forward America podcast, Path Forward Utah podcast. So glad you're listening right now. I am Ryan Woods, otherwise known as uh, Lady Maga USA. I'm that crazy guy who dresses up as Lady Maga USA to stand against LGBTQIA++ radicalism. Here in Utah, we're standing up for women's sports and protecting kids from transgender procedures. But this episode, I'm not really going to be diving into the LGBT topics because we have a special guest. So if you're interested in what I do and um, all of that, you can go to PathForAmerica.com. That's P-A-T-H, the number 4, america.com. And that is the official website of our very diverse and incredible group, Um, And you can learn about us there. And you can also go to LadyMagaUSA.com to find out about that activism. And you can also follow the Utah Log Cabin Republicans on Facebook. We are the LGBT patriots who uh, love our country and consider ourselves Americans before uh, we care about our uh, sexual identity. So that's that. I am so excited today because we have a very special guest, uh, Jamie Brenda. The creator of Path for America. She is all about reaching out and including all kinds of diverse voices. And she has a friend. His name is Joel. He goes by Token Black USA. And we are blessed, blessed, blessed to have him with us today on this podcast to talk about all kinds of, uh, all kinds of incredible activism that he is involved in. Now, first, um, before I get you on here, you are Black, right?
1: I think I'm black. Sometimes I think I'm white, but I'm an Oreo.
0: Well, did you did you vote for Biden?
1: I guess I'm not black then, because I mean, (laughs) Biden said, if you vote for Trump, you ain't black. So I guess I'm not black. So,
0: all right. Well, I was really looking forward to <clears throat> talking to you as a black American activist, but I guess you're not really black. So, all right. All joking aside, uh, Joel goes by Token Black Guy USA on social media. I know you met Jamie Renda in uh, D.C. So um, just a little background on Token Black Guy USA. <clears throat> he is actually an adopted African Immigrant, if you can believe it. An absolutely inspiring and incredible story. So uh, without further ado, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background and what it was like to come to the United States, and then we'll dive into all kinds of great well,
1: thank you again for having me on the show. Uh, well, my background is really, really quite interesting, I guess, for many people that ask. I'm like, OK, I'm from West Africa and I was actually adopted in Africa, which took forever because, you know, Africa is not as they picture and painted in the U.S. I mean, it's, there's a lot of wrongdoing, a lot of um, corruption there. A lot of people want to say America is not corrupt, but go to Africa, go to Europe. There's a lot of corruption there with dictators that have been there for over 40 years. And I was actually adopted by a military family that absolutely clicked with me the moment i met them and it was just it was fate you know uh god just brought them it felt like i was meant to be in america and the moment i started hanging out with their kids everything clicked they looked like my siblings they acted like my siblings and before i knew it they offered to adopt me and i was like what what okay so I just ran with it because that was my path and that was my calling for God and to come to America and to actually speak out against uh, people who seem to think they're oppressed here in America. But in fact, it's the complete opposite. Go to Africa for one day you will definitely, you'll either love the simplicity of life or you'll absolutely miss home. And that's exactly kind of like my background. And then I moved here in 2014 and started high school, who starts high school after little to no education. So I started high school and finished high school with like a 3.5 GPA, which was surprising at best to me. But I just worked my butt off because I knew it was going to help me in the path forward and actually going into college and actually continuing the American dream that everyone seems to think is dead, but it's not, it's very much alive. So fast forward. now. Well, I just have to point out
0: Joe Wells, um, his, this is his second language. He was not born a native, uh, English speaker and I think it's just astounding that you basically don't even have an accent so clearly you have linguistic skills you got a lot of smarts and with very little education you jumped into high school and graduated with a 3.5 GPA so what an incredibly incredibly inspiring story Um, tell us why you go by token black guy USA. By the way, you said Americans don't have an understanding of Africa, and I feel like you're wrong. We really do. I mean, think about it. I mean, we've seen the Lion King, we've seen Black Panther, and it's just, it's this wonderful, fantastical world where dreams come true, according to most Americans. And a lot of Black Americans call it the motherland, as if their dreams are theirs. So tell us a little bit about why you call yourself token Black guy tbg and then talk to us a little bit about the misconceptions that americans especially many black americans have
1: about africa well token black guy usa that's actually a very interesting one because (laughs) i've grown up not even thinking about race i was in the midst of diversity when it came to friendship i went to an american school in africa where all of my friends, I never had one just black friend. I was always the black friend. And I didn't realize I was black because we didn't think of race like that. Race was just a just color. And I would hang out with them and I would just look around and it would be Asians, um, whites, Hispanics. And I'm like, okay, well, clearly this is a path that I just don't care about when it comes to race that everyone seems to think matters the most here in America and token black. I just really originated from the fact that even in my white family, I stand out and I'm proud of it. And I'm always that one token black individual in the crowd that everyone just seems to think, Oh yeah, he's only there to appease the crowd. So that's kind of where it came from. And with help with a lot of people because I couldn't have come up with it by myself, but fast forward, the misconception with Africans who think uh, black Americans who think Africa is so romantic and it's so phenomenal. It is, it is wonderful to visit. You just don't want to live if you were born and raised there because you understand how hard it is to grow up with virtually any, nothing, nothing. I grew up with nothing. And you cannot grow up and actually become anything there unless you have connections. I understand it's the same way in America, but you have the opportunity in America in order for you to go, what is the term? Um, uh, You grow, you go from bottom to top. What is that term? Rags to riches. Rags to riches. There's no such thing as rags to riches in Africa. So if you go there and you're born poor, you're screwed you either have to join the military which is just indoctrination once more and you stick to that level and that's it africa is beautiful the culture is remarkable i wouldn't change anything about it except for the leadership and the individuals and it's a simple life if that's what you want like i said earlier
0: you said african culture is beautiful and you wouldn't change a thing. Um, I've done my homework on women's rights in Africa, um, uh, you know, children's rights in Africa, the way disabled people are disenfranchised. And in the culture, there seems to be um, there seems to be a hierarchy within from the village all the way to the government. So Um, I don't know if I would agree that African culture uh, is something that shouldn't be changed. Talk to us a little bit about how uh, people are treated when it comes to human rights in in the majority of African countries.
1: Well, I said I wouldn't change a thing regarding to culture. Culture as in, okay, uh, it has some great foods in a way. It has some wonderful traditions when it comes to music, when it comes to all that, like their, their togetherness kind of brings them very, it's a unique kind of scene when you're seeing it from an outsider's perspective. Like, it's beautiful. But regarding the uh, human rights that they do violate, like Let's say for gays, gays are persecuted in Africa like it's nothing. They are not seen as people. That's why the majority of them leave Africa and come to America. And the children's rights, like the children have no rights in Africa uh, and con- that are unlike America. He, in Africa, it's just absolutely your child. You abide by the grownups and it doesn't matter Whomever you think you are and whatever family you are from, of course, the people who are in wealthier families obviously have more rights than any other kid. But the human rights one and the human trafficking levels, I'm sure I don't know the statistics. They're out just so high. It's ridiculous. So there is a lot to be changed in Africa. And that's why it's a third world country. And They just need some help from outside sources. But of course, if you have leadership that will not allow that to basically come upon, that will never change. You
0: talked about corruption in Africa and most um, African countries, including basically South Africa, live under um, terrible dictatorships uh, who have just massive amounts of wealth they live in palaces like we're talking like almost like it looks like versailles from the outside with fountains and pools and all of this and just right outside of the gates there are people starving there are even lepers there are orphans and people living in total poverty and i feel like here in the united states That divide is the goal of the left because people, you know, the Clintons and all of the elitists, Obama, they will never be touched. We saw that Obama had a party at his mansion in his predominantly white neighborhood, flying celebrities in. So I feel like we're starting to see that in America. And quite frankly, I feel like the United States is trickling toward looking like a third world country because riots and uh you know taking away taking away our rights so when you came to america i want you to just talk to us a little bit about what it was like when you first arrived and how the america you came in 2012 uh, 2014 2014 sorry so what was america like when you arrived and what has changed since
1: then because uh, it really is almost two different countries it really is a vast difference from the time I actually visited first in 2013. And that was probably the most phenomenal time in my life, visiting America for the first time on, of course, not until I moved into 2014. But it was phenomenal just stepping into a world that is vast with opportunities, and that's vast with different cultures, not just the African culture. And Witnessing how they live in such harmony, regardless of their race, because in Africa, there's two races, there's black and there's Matisse and black Matisse for most people who don't know Matisse is a half white or light skinned or something. So those are the only two races there. So in America, just. Witnessing the fact that people live here in harmony, willingly under a constitution that protects them with all those rights is phenomenal to see and to see like the infrastructure and the beauty that just his first world was overwhelming, to say the least. It was really overwhelming, especially from a kid coming from virtually nothing and stepping into a world that is bigger than them. It can be scary. And I was extremely excited to be embarking on this new journey of mine because I've always felt like I had a calling. And I think that calling was America. And I'm just so. Excited to see where it goes. And it has changed dramatically since I was 14 years old to 21 years old. And it's just the energy with our generations, especially Gen Z. They feel so entitled now where they think the world owes them absolutely everything when no one owes you anything. You have to go out and get it. That's the beauty of America. Hardworking Americans go. because. The middle class is the backbone of America. And if you destroy that middle class, you have nothing left of the economy of or America, because that's who controls everything. So now everyone just wants to be handed like in socialism, handed money, handed stimulus checks, and they're okay with it. So that's the vast difference, I would say. So on your
0: social media, you post pictures with your girlfriend and you often talk about one of the reasons you are fighting, one of the reasons you publicly joined the movement was for your future children. Um, sounds like in your heart and soul, you always dreamed of coming to the United States. And I would imagine that it's somewhat painful to see what is happening to this country and to know that <clears throat> your kids may not have the same opportunities mm-hmm. that you have had. So what are your ultimate goals Um in your political activism, why go public, and and what is kind of your long term vision for this activism?
1: Man, oh man, <laughs> what you just said it hits home right now because uh, at first I never had an interest in politics. I thought I was going to go into industrial organizational psychology because that's my major in in college. The communist colleges now, so. Uh, My goal now, the fact that I joined the movement was to inspire young individuals such as myself to break away from the narrative that America is evil. And I want to show them that you can still have that American dream and build for your future children, because I did grow up with a romanticized version of America. But that romantic side of America is what America used to be, and it's starting to dwindle away. And it's sad to see that my generation does not want to raise children or get married and have those traditional values that were founded upon America. And it's scary that they're also trying to take away God. I am not really biblically Literate when it comes to it, but I'm very spiritual because I believe in God and I think God has a purpose for every single American and individual in this world. And I feel like it's my calling to actually speak forward with african americans because that's what we are we're not i'm not black american as much as i would like to be black american i am african because i was born in africa and now i'm an american and i choose to be an american proudly and i want to fight for my kids to have that american stamp on them without having the african it would be nice for them to have the african because then they would understand the struggle and live growing up with nothing but that's where you as a parent take a hold and teach them responsibility. So my goals is to basically inspire the next generation to ignore what this generation currently is saying is we want just just be to be handed stuff. And that's definitely what I want to do as it comes forth in life. And I want to open open organizations, non profit organizations that help African-Americans, that help uh, lesser communities in America. And hopefully, by the grace of God, I can honestly help the world in a way that I don't even realize it yet.
0: I recently did a podcast with um, with uh, John, who's the director of uh, Blexit, Utah, and he said, I am not an African-American. I am not a black American. I'm just an American. But it sounds like when you say you want to reach African Americans, are you talking about actual African immigrants and people of African descent who come to this country and could potentially uh, be manipulated into thinking, you know, that they have to fit the,
1: the black narrative? Absolutely. Because those, (laughs) it's no secret that, African-Americans come here in the U.S. and actually surpass Black Americans' success. Why? Because they understand what it's like not to be Americans. They understand that lack of uh, constitutional protection that Americans have, and they're rioting in the streets saying they have not when Cuba is fighting and waving American flags left and right there. I'd rather those people come here and actually enjoy America than the the chaz incumbents there right now so yes i want to reach those patriotic americans who choose to be americans because black americans they have an argument we didn't choose to be americans then why don't you choose to leave that's your choice right there you want opportunity right that's your chance so yeah i want to reach the african americans and show them that It's show the pride, be prideful in becoming American and understanding that, yeah, your African is not taken away from you. But ultimately, it's a better way of life and it will help your future kids in the long run.
0: With with the movement of black black lives matter and black Americans uh, currently happening in the United States, um, what do you think would happen to one of these, you know, rioters, breaking windows, stealing Nikes, terrorizing communities with Black Lives Matter. Um, what would happen to them if they had to go and spend a week in an impoverished
1: area of Africa? To be honest, I, I, I think a lot of them may love it. They may love it because it, it, it takes nothing for them. They want that simple life. That's exactly what they want. They don't want that, uh, though they won't realize it until they get there, because they'll realize that they have no religious freedoms. They have no political freedom. They have nothing to show for whatsoever, because the government will infringe on absolutely everything until they get there. And then they'll realize, oh, crap, we. They'll be begging to come back, not even a month Probably less than two days, they'll be like, oh, my gosh, I miss my home. I miss my car. I miss my air conditioning. I miss all those privileges that America gives me. It's not perfect, but they'll miss it. Why did you say they would like it? Because they already show the entitlement and the lesser than wanting to be more than anything. Anything. That's why they're rioting. Why would you go into a Gucci store when you are you you say you don't have enough food for your family and you go steal sneakers, snick, sneakers, sneakers, sneakers. Yeah, my bad. Hey, yeah. you
0: were saying that um, they would they would like it. I think what you meant was that they would like the opportunity to go there thinking they're going to live that simplistic kumbaya African fantasy that they believe in. They would miss their uh, human rights. And I think that if a, a female Black Lives Matter rioter went there and she was attacked and she had no protection from the corrupt police, I think she would start <clears throat> thanking God for the um the American police here. Yeah. So the founder of this podcast and the founder of Path for America is Jamie Renda. And that's uh, a story that I'd love to hear. How did you meet her? When and where? And talk to us a little bit about Jamie, because she's a phenomenal woman who is a, a true hardcore patriot here in utah who brings so many people together including you and me on this podcast today so talk to me a little bit about how you met
1: jamie and uh, what you think about her oh my gosh jamie you are phenomenal if you're listening thank you so much for having me on this podcast we actually met in october at the blexit event that was actually my very first blexit event in dc last year before the election and i was just going just to go. And I met Jamie there and she was just so bubbly, so bubbly with energy just wanting to see what was next because we were all excited for the election. We were looking forward to actually make a difference and because we knew America would be a better place under Trump. So she and I just spent the whole day just giggling smiling talking to people and it was probably one of the best days of my life because she came into my life as one of those individuals that those proud americans who will do anything for america that's why she created the show and i'm so proud that there are still americans out there like her who are willing to fight just despite the odds right now Let me just talk a little bit about
0: uh, Jamie Renda. And uh, when we come back after this break, we have to talk about this woman and how she is exemplary of American Patriots. After this break. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Path Forward America podcast. We're so glad to have you with us. Be sure to visit pathforamerica.com to learn more about what we do and find out about. All of the other co-hosts of this podcast, we have a Latino host. We have a child psychologist host, Dr. Marcy Campbell. We have me. We, we really just have the most amazing and diverse group of people to uh, bring us together as Americans. So that's pathforamerica.com. I am Ryan Woods. I am president of the Lock Cabin Republicans, Utah, and also the creator of Lady Maga USA. and we are continuing our interview with Joel, who goes by publicly by the name Token Black Guy. USA. If you've been listening to this conversation, you can tell this kid is on fire. He is adopted. He came from Africa uh, when he was uh, 12 years old. And his whole dream, and he felt that it was his calling to come to this country. And as he has explained, since 2014, when he arrived until now, the country is disintegrating. And it, quite frankly, is not the country that he dreamed of being a part of. So he has explained that he is publicly advocating for unity and patriotism here in America. And one of the people who inspired him is also someone who inspires me every day. Jamie Renda, she is the founder of... Uh, Path for America and this podcast, she also did the Trump Tater, you've probably seen pictures of the Trump Tater, hilarious baked potato version of President Trump. And she is like a mother to all of us in the Patriot community. She has our back. And so uh, Joelle had talked about meeting her I just wanted to also thank Jamie for having this podcast and um, you're not going to find a more sincere director of any uh, movement here in Utah she's absolutely wonderful so we're going to jump right back into the conversation with token black guy USA and I'm going to play devil's advocate for just a second okay uh, Joel, you talk about how we can all get along and America's the land of the free, the land of the brave, you know, doesn't matter if you're black or white, but I want you to answer this question like a hundred percent honestly. Okay. Cause you don't have to like impress conservatives and you know, you don't have to put forward um, a perfect picture of America acting like it's so great when it does come to racism. So here's my question. When you are with friends or when you are with your white family members, or you're just in a store, do you ever experience people looking at you differently, people monitoring you, or people treating you a little different because of the color of your skin? Have you experienced that?
1: Absolutely not. I've never experienced that. But that doesn't mean a lot of people have not experienced it in America, especially black Americans. And a lot of people seem to say, well, you've never experienced it. That doesn't mean it's not there. And I agree. And I am sure <coughs> walking around, I'm sure there are people who have looked at me the wrong way, but it is my actions and my reaction that matters the most when it comes to that. How do I choose to react to it? If someone looks at me like, oh, you don't belong here. And it's, if I react to that, then I'm just empowering them and I'm, and I'm allowing them to have control over me. So I choose not to, it's not a fact I'm not going out to look for racism. Cause if you go out looking for something, you will certainly find it. Certainly. So to me, I'm sure there's racism on all sides. Black Americans want to say they're not racist because of the racist uh, history of America. America was racist in the past, but it's no more. There's a civil rights movement that helped fight for the racism and bring America together for a reason. Saying that in 2021, there is still rampant racism is like... Spitting on people like Martin Luther King and uh, all the individuals who fought to give that little white and black girl the right to go to the same school and play on the playgrounds. It's just insulting to every single American that fought for that. So to me, I may not have experienced it. I've gotten pulled over once, but it was my the way I reacted to the officer and respected the uniform that got me off. Not my reaction as, oh, is it because I'm black? No, he would have definitely gotten agitated if I had done that. So I think the most critical
0: thing uh, and what really sticks out to me and I'm going to remember from this interview is your specific answer to that question. If I go out looking for it. I will find it so that chip on the shoulder of, you know, bitter people just looking for racism in everybody's face. Maybe somebody looks at you the wrong way because they don't like your shirt. And I'm guessing for you, you've probably gotten more dirty looks for wearing Trump, (laughs) Trump gear than you have for being black. And my personal belief is that, um, there, there are moments, I'm sure, where some Americans see a black person in a store, especially a young black man like you, and their reaction is not necessarily based off of uh, pure innate racism. I think it's based off of mass popular culture as it pertains to black people because they try to push the narrative of, you know, thugs and now Black Lives Matter has really tarnished the, the image of black Americans in the eyes of a lot of people who aren't familiar or don't have black friends. So I think a lot of these people, if they experience racism or somebody's scared on the subway, it's because they've seen what Black Lives Matter has been doing and they see the the rap videos with guns and that culture. So um, I just I just love that you said if I go looking for it, I will find it. So um, you are in college. Sounds like in Boston. Uh, you had uh, you shared on social media that you actually had experienced some persecution. I don't think it was because of your skin color. Talk to us a little bit about the communists
1: at your college and how they treated you and how you reacted. My oh my. It was quite interesting because a lot of the racism that I did encounter was actually from blacks, black Americans. One of my I'm not going to name names, but one of my superiors came up to me and actually said one day, your white family does not have your best interest at heart. And I'm standing there like, did you really just say that the people who chose to adopt me and the people that I chose to to get adopted by don't have my best interest at heart just because of their skin color. And to fast forward to that. Yes, me. I'm very proud of my patriotism. I'm very proud to be an American. So I wear my Trump gear. I wear my make America great again merch everywhere I go, because I'm not afraid. What are they going to do? Look at the black guy and be like, oh, no, you're a white supremacist. No, that's not going to happen. So I can get away with it proudly. So thanks to BLM, because if I do anything, I will get away with it. The Democrats will get me out of jail by paying for me to get released. So I'm proud to do that. And like honestly i don't get the bad looks my white friends who wear the gear get the bad look and i just stand there and i'm like you can't because if you're going to look at them the same way that (laughs) that you should be looking at me then you're just as bad as anybody so that's kind of my
0: experience there being adopted by a white family um the left has now said that that is actually an act of white supremacy, just like table manners are white supremacy and mathematics are white supremacy and uh, a rock on a campus. I believe it was in Wisconsin was removed because it was a symbol of white supremacy. So I think when you talk about. Uh, calling yourself token black guy, USA. I just love that you throw it in their face because that is what they will call you. They will call you a self-hating black. Just like in my case, people say you're an internalized homophobe. You hate yourself. That's why you're a conservative. And it's just, it's such nonsense, but um, you are very, very popular on uh TikTok and Instagram and all over the place. Um, can people find you just by searching token black guy, USA, one word, uh, yes. Okay. So you're on social media. You're very popular. You've had you've had tens of thousands and thousands of views on your videos. You're very witty. You get out there. But um, as somebody who's in the public eye, like you are, uh, with my social media and my videos, I discovered that a lot of our fellow influencers are totally not doing anything except making little videos online and they're in it for the likes and the popularity. And of course the sponsorships that they get for those things. So I want to let our listeners know that you are not just another little influencer out there trying to get attention. You have been knocking on doors. All summer long in Arizona for Alex Stovall's campaign, unpaid. He's a black candidate uh, running for office in Arizona, and you have dedicated your time in 115 degree weather, walking around Arizona, knocking on those doors. I think that's phenomenal. Tell us all about that experience.
1: Well, Alex Stoval is a candidate in Arizona, uh, Congressional District 9, if anybody wants to know. Yes, I have been with his campaign since the beginning in February, and I gladly volunteered because I see the future with this man. What's his website? His website is alex4arizona.com, and you can go there, donate, show your support, and go volunteer that's what we need right now. People who are willing to step forward and actually put in the work and see what this man is about, because you may see just another politician or another black guy trying to make it. But no, he grew up in the projects. And that's one of the reasons I see him as a mentor, because The American government needs a mentorship program, and that's what he's trying to do from a grassroots campaign. He is mentoring me to become a next candidate because in the future, I do want to run. I want to represent a demographic in either Louisiana, Florida or Arizona. Who knows? So. I worked for his campaign and I did door knock. It is not the easiest thing in the world. You may think it's so easy, but try 115 to 20 to 30 degree weather and door knocking, try because you support the movement and you support the individual that is behind all of it. And I would do it again. And I'm going back probably next year to continue to help him. No, not probably. I'm going back to help him because I think and I believe that he will do amazing things for this country. Talk to me about
0: your best experiences and your worst experiences when you were out there for
1: hours knocking on doors. Well, my best experiences is... (laughs) Just being me and actually just doing what I do best. And it's having the conversations with people, because to me, I don't care if you're leftist, if you're conservative. I'll try to understand your perspective and I'll try to have that conversation. And that's kind of the problem with the conservative movement, because we don't want to have conversations with people on the left. We want to debate them. Instead of having the conversation, conversation and debating, it's completely different. So um, it's been very easy for them to say no. But once you stand there and you're like, give them an opportunity. This is America. This is the land of opportunity. That's when they start to understand. Some of them are common sense individuals and some of them are rude. But it's just persevering and going through and actually understanding that you're doing this for a bigger purpose than yourself. I want to hear about the rudest people. I mean, these are juicy
0: stories because I I grew up uh, Mormon and I proudly served an LDS mission in France. And of course, the French, yes, they are overall fairly cold and rude I had doors slammed in my face I was spit on once um, so I know what it's like to spend you know copious amounts of time outside in bad weather knocking on doors I know you've got some juicy stories did anybody ever sick a dog on you or yell at you or curse to, nothing?
1: okay it has to do with the approach the way you knock on their door if you're just demanding something of them of course they're going to be rude because there's no soliciting crap but i'm like i'm not selling you anything i'm just selling you good American patriotism. So uh, the most funny one is there was an African lady in which I door knocked on and she like opened the door, creaked it. And she's like, where is your mask? And, And I'm just sitting there baffled. My friend's standing right next to me and he's like, "Um, we have it in our pocket. And I'm like, no, no, no. She closed the door like immediately right after because we didn't have our mask on. And I'm just like, where are your teeth? And it was just so (laughs) it was just me. I'm like, I'm not going to take it personally. So I haven't gotten those like blatantly rude get out of my yard or I'll shoot you because Democrats don't have guns. They don't even know how to use them. So no, I've never, never really experienced the rude, rude that most people say, because it's my approach. I think that's a clear theme in your life is
0: you have a deep rooted belief that you get what you give. And I believe that, too. You know, thoughts become things. What you put out comes back to you. It's like a boomerang thing. So if you're on you know you have the opportunity to speak with a leftist if you're there to dominate the conversation to shut them down because facts don't care about your feelings no, no offense to ben shapiro but i totally see what you're saying it's about those conversations do you feel like you were able to like i don't know using missionary jargon do you feel like you were able to concretely convert anybody
1: so to speak converting is tricky because <laughs> that would imply they actually wanted to hear what I had to say and they actually changed their minds uh out of nowhere that would take hours of discussion and we don't have those kind that kind of time unless it's a friend of yours and I've had those conversations with personal friends but to on the campaign to say the least I've had instances where I've had independence in which we've had a conversation and they've kind of like caught me off guard. They've put me and held me accountable for my facts. And I find that to be quite humbling because we need to be able to understand that we don't have all the answers. We're not always going to be right. We don't, like you said, we don't always have to go in to win the fight or to win the battle all they want to do is to kind of get heard, you know, so you have to give them a listening ear. And that's usually those, those are the kinds of people that will kind of understand that conservatives are not just mean hearted individuals who hate all leftists. Cause if you give them that kind of understanding and that kind of calm, then they will come to you. And that's when you can have more of a, constructive conversation rather than yelling back and forth at each other. I think uh, minorities who
0: step forward publicly. And by the way, I just commend the fact that you lived in Arizona. I've been there once in the summer and it was so excruciatingly, horribly hot. I thought I was in hell, but you're out there knocking on doors in that heat. I just think that, you know, you can tell the difference between a phony Uh, influencer and a real patriot by learning what they do off when they're not on social media or tweeting. And I just, I think that's absolutely incredible. And I also love your approach to, um, having those conversations with the leftists without the goal of proving them wrong and actually listening to them. That actually touches my heart because I'm guilty of, you know, debate, 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 stand up, stand up, stand up, but uh, they want to be heard. And it's only through love and through patience that you can genuinely help somebody change their mind. But also just the fact that you are out there, even though you call yourself token black guy, USA, cause it's funny. Um, You are an African immigrant. You have the ultimate Cinderella story coming from total poverty. You told me a little bit about um, your journey and, and growing up in poverty. And so you've achieved the ultimate Cinderella story and dream. And so you represent to leftists what they're told is not possible. And if you do go As you go forward in this, I think that is what will help soften people's hearts and minds. That's also the reason I do my activism in the same way, Mm -hmm. because like you, your primary identity is not black, but you do need to point that out in order to help erase the narratives on the left Mm -hmm. that black people cannot succeed, that they live under oppression. And it's the same thing for me as a a gay patriot. I go forward and I the only reason I talk about that is to help awaken other people to get rid of that identity, walk away from the radical LGBTQIA plus activism, which is what you're doing with Black Lives Matter, trying to bring people together. So that brings me to a sort of controversial topic within the conservative movement. Um, I personally believe we have to have a big tent. We are not all going to see eye to eye. We have to uh, save the Constitution, free speech and the Second Amendment, and then we can argue about other things. What do you think about the idea of a big tent? And what do you say to people who say, no, you have to be this, this and this in order to be part of the movement?
1: That's what they call the cookie cutter conservative, right? Um, (laughs) There's no such thing as a cookie cutter conservatives. And we talk a lot about being thought leaders. And I've had this conversation with multiple individuals, actually, because ultimately we want to be those thought leaders and we actually call ourselves that. Well, then why aren't we acting like it? Thought leaders provoke conversation and invite different perspectives. For instance, Tommy Lauren believes and she chooses pro choice. So some of I don't agree with her whatsoever. However, she is doing just as much for the conservative movement as anybody out there is. She may I may not love her approach, but she's still on my side. And we need to need to understand that we're not all going to think the same way. I have very strange methods in which I approach things and people won't agree with it. So it, it only matters if we're on the same side and we understand that we're fighting the same battle and we need to understand that ultimately the it will take millions of us in order for us to get there and if we're canceling one another because oh you said the wrong thing you're not you're not godly enough you're not conservative enough what is being conservative enough do you know the answer no so we have to be able to actually unite as a conservative movement and understanding that we preach thought leadership and now we need to start acting on that specifically
0: um i'm glad you brought up tommy lauren because she has gotten so much flack she's been told she is not a real conservative and like you i cannot accept or agree with her stance on saying she is pro-choice i do understand where she's coming from when she says i am not pro-abortion but i am pro-choice but why would i reject tommy lauren who stands for free speech who stood up for trump who stands up against illegal immigration it's like we're not all going to agree on everything and now is the time to come together and find out how we can agree on the most important things which of course and i'm sure you'd agree is the constitution free speech and the second amendment because without defending free speech we won't even be able to have an argument with someone like Tommy Lauren and, and, and say, you know, what she says. So uh, another example of this is kind of Caitlyn Jenner in California. Look, I don't understand all of Caitlyn's choices. I think, you know, it's uh, it, I don't understand transgenderism completely. But I do understand that Caitlyn Jenner is an adult and has the right to live as they want. And she is in California Standing up against illegal immigration, standing up for the rights of children in schools to not be masked, standing up for small businesses. And then I go on Twitter and all these conservatives are like saying, no way, that's not a conservative. I'm like, really, you're going to throw out Caitlin's voice. What do you think about that?
1: Whew, man, that is a touchy one. Because <laughs> I genuinely want to accept Caitlin Jenner as a conservative, but I would have to classify him. I'm sorry, he's a male. he didn't remove his genitals. He's still a male to me. But I would classify him as Republican because conservatism and republicanism. I think I said that wrong, but second language, uh, two complete different things. Because I think he did compete in male and in female sports as a male. So why is he doubling back? No, no, when he was an athlete, he was
0: 100% living as a biological man. Okay, he was? Yes. Okay, well, no, he, then no, I digress and, if that's not true. And he has publicly stood up and defended women's sports. Okay. So you so would you give Caitlyn Jenner the freedom to be called a conservative because immigration, not shutting down small businesses, protecting children's from uh masks in school standing up for women's sports, which I'll call her she because as long as it's my choice to to call someone whatever gender they choose, then I don't have a problem with it. If you legislate it, then uh that's when it becomes dangerous. But Caitlin doesn't like he, he's not a pronoun, she's not a pronoun police uh so so yeah expand i mean are you gonna let caitlin join or should we push her away because she's not uh, she's not good enough for this movement quickly
1: enough um i i i would accept her i would because or him (laughs) because yeah we need more people like that who want to stand and fight because some of the conservatives will not do it so if he wants or she wants to do it I welcome it and I will be willing to listen to what he or she has to say and actually allow them to be thought leaders like me. So yes, I would.
0: Yeah. And that doesn't mean you agree with everything. It just means we have bigger fish to fry than our social disagreements right now, especially when it comes to adults. Like Caitlin is not pushing transgenderism on children. Caitlin's just doing Caitlin's thing. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that because the big tent idea is definitely something that the Path for America um, movement actually does embrace. That's why we try to bring on so many different diverse
1: voices and uh, just visit pathforamerica.com come and thank you talking like you a-